0: Do you know somebody epically good at worst-case scenarios, like really, really good at it, like could be a pro? I think if there was a worst-case scenario like Olympics, I would enter and might win gold. Like, I'm pretty good at them, like if I don't say so myself, I'm pretty good at them. But you know the type of person, you know, you probably have one in your family you know, if they have a toothache, then they go online and they look it up, and then all of a sudden they have a rare and an operal form of some disease that doctors have just discovered. You know, that, that type of person. You're know, maybe somebody who gets all worked up if you're a few minutes late. I'm, I'm that person, you know. My wife, Abby, tends to be late. She actually sent me a text in between services that said she was going to be late. It's okay, I asked if I could share that. That's all right. But I start to go, like, okay, two minutes late, that means, of course, that she's in the middle of a cornfield, and she's dead. Like, that's just, that's what's happened. She's two minutes late, I can track her location on my phone and see that she is driving, but so I'm like, I don't know, somebody took a car. Like, I don't know. See, I'm pretty good at worst-case scenario thinking. I like to think that I'm creative, not negative, But I'm really good at kind of the what-if scenarios, you know, that never-ending what-if cycle. You know, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if the economy falls apart? What if I lose my job? What if I don't get the grade that I want to get? What if someone I love gets cancer? What if I never, ever, ever get married? What if I marry an idiot? And don't worry, Abby is not an idiot. I don't know if she would say that about me today. But what if, what if, what if. What ifs have been a long journey in our lives. We all kind of interact with that question, you know, what if? And all this fear in our lives keeps placing kind of our faith in the worst case scenarios that we can come up with. And I don't know about you, but the past year plus has had an awful lot of those types of what if worst case scenarios, right? And I've had several people ask me and talk to me and say, is this the end of the world? And you're like, I don't really know. But we get caught up in fear. There's power in fear, and we get lost in this kind of never-ending cycle of what if, what if, what if. And it could be really easy to be overtaken by fear in an irrational way because there are some fears that are legit and we need to pay attention to, and there are some other fields that are really, really big deal and we shouldn't pay attention to. And there are huge global fears, and there are just fears in the kind of the secret parts of our heart. Here's an example: Have you ever been invited to a Christmas party? Because there is fear inherently in this. Here, let me explain. So you're invited to a Christmas party, and you're not sure if you want to go. So you haven't responded to the invite yet. You're like going back and forth, or maybe you just forgot or whatever. You're invited to this Christmas party, and then you see the person who invited you to the Christmas party in the store. That is fear. You see them, and you're like, what do I do? Like, do I just tell them, you know, I haven't decided? That's probably the right thing to do. Go tell them, like, I haven't decided yet. We're still figuring it out. Or do you do what many of us do, which is grab, like, the Rice Krispie box that we're in there and, like, hide our, hide behind it? And we read it in great detail? Like, interesting. I don't know what that is. I didn't know that was in Rice Krispies. Like, Interesting. Like, that's a fear-based response. Like, we're like, what do I do? Fight or, or flight or what, how do we do this? We see them coming and we're like, oh no, there they are. And fear can change our behavior, the way that we interact with other people. And we actually treat God like this sometimes. Like, he's the one who's invited us to this party we're not sure we want to go to or not he's going to ask us to do the stuff that we're not sure if we want to do. So we avoid him, or we avoid asking him what we should do, or we act like the what-if worst-case scenario has more power and is more accurate than God being God. We place our trust, we place our faith in the wrong thing. See, fear is a form of faith. We all have faith in something. And fear is a form of faith. It's just in the wrong stuff. Fear places faith in the worst case scenario or in the fact that we think that God isn't there or that we think God isn't interested or that he's not powerful enough to do anything about it or that even if he is there, he's going to ask us to do something painful and we don't really want to do it. And that's not the way that God wants us to live. This is how he wants us to live. This is 2 Timothy 1.7. This is an awesome verse kind of about fear. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. That power, love, and self-discipline comes from God. And God doesn't want us to be completely controlled by placing our fear in the wrong things, in these fear-filled things. He doesn't want us to believe the worst-case scenario all the time. He doesn't want us to be terrified that he's going to ask us to do something Something difficult. He wants us to have a power and spirit of love and self-discipline to live in a way that's not ruled by fear. Now, we're in the third week of our Christmas series, and we have an amazing name for this series. It's called Christmas at the Ridge. We got really creative, but we almost called it Do Not Be Afraid, because that's really what we're going through. We're going through these phrases in the Christmas story. And a couple of weeks ago, Reed talked about Zechariah and what it looks like to trust God no matter what. And last week, Dan talked about how Joseph honored God's calling. And one phrase that both Zechariah and Joseph heard is a common phrase in the Christmas story. It's do not be afraid or fear not. Why did this phrase come up so much in the most important story ever? Well, I think one reason is because people aren't used to angels appearing to them. So angels come out of nowhere and they're like, poof. And they're like, hey, 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 I know. I know that I just appeared out of thin air, but don't be afraid. Chill. It's all right. I need you to listen to what I'm about to tell you. But I'm so thankful that this phrase is uttered in the Bible so much. If you pay attention, there are so many. Do not be afraid in the Bible. So many, like 366 actually, one for every day and for leap year. There's so many in there. But life can be so inherently full of fear. And I think that's why it's in the Bible so much. And that's why it's in the story so much. And this phrase is followed by some really amazing things. These amazing promises, amazing words of encouragement, the good news, the gospel. It's all about Jesus. All these things that we celebrate at Christmas. So today we're going to look at kind of... As part of the story that uses do not be afraid, I want to look at the part of the story where an angel appears to a teenage virgin girl named Mary. And as we dig in, I think that there there is a question that we really have to acknowledge. Like, what would you do if an angel appeared to you? Well, the first thing I would do is I'd probably change my underwear. The second thing I would do is I would start thinking about this question. Like, when things don't seem to be lining up quite in the way we would hope. Here's a question. What if, what if, what if I give it all to God and some things don't go the way that I want? What if I give it all I've got? I'm doing my best. Like, I'm giving it all to God. And things still don't turn out. The way that I hope? Does he not love me? Does he not care? Is he not powerful enough to do something about it? What if God's plan for me and my life is difficult and not what I would hope it would be? What if things don't get better? What if I give it all to God and things don't go the way that I want? Okay, let's read about Mary and see how that question kind of interacts with our faith. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So who's Elizabeth? Reed talked about her a couple of weeks back, but quick recap. Elizabeth is Mary's relative, and Elizabeth was too old to give birth. And that's not like a joke, like there's no like knock-knock joke in there or anything like that. I mean, there probably is, but we're not going to say it. An angel appeared to Elizabeth... And now Elizabeth is miraculously pregnant with her husband Zechariah's baby. And the baby is a man who will eventually be known as John the Baptist. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, she would have been obviously pregnant. Like Mary would have known, she visited her. She knew that Elizabeth was pregnant. And then an angel appears to Mary. And this is this is what happened. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. So, I think that when we think of angels, we think of the angels that we put like on top of the Christmas tree that are holding like a LED light or they're like fat, chubby babies that are bald and they have a harp. Like that is what we think of in our mind's eye when we think of angels, but that's not what angels look like. Angels are fierce. They're warlike creatures. They're able to strike down a nation on God's command, and they're still submissive to God. That is what's showing up and talking to Mary. And we actually know who this angel is. This is Gabriel. It would have terrified Mary. This is what happens next. So she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her, Mary, and this is what Gabriel said: "Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. I love that greeting. I'm going to start using that greeting. I'm going to just walk around and like I'm warning you all: if I see you, greetings, favored Ridger, and like that's that's what I'm just going to do. I love it. It's so courteous. It's this angel is like so kind and courteous. Like this is awesome." And how does Mary respond to this courteous angel? What does she say? Well, this is what she said. I'm confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Confused and disturbed. Those are fear words. So this is how I think that she respond. If this was me, this is how I would respond. So greetings, favored Mary. Ah! Confused and disturbed. And here's the backstory to all this. We don't know exactly how old Mary is, but it's likely that she's 13, 14, 15 years old. And in the culture at the time, when a girl hit puberty, she would be promised to be married. That was how it worked in that culture. So imagine what's going on in this girl's head. She's the bride-to-be. Nowadays, she'd be pinning things on Pinterest, and she'd be saying yes to the dress. And she'd be doing all of those things at wedding venues and tasting menus and all those things. But back then, they still would have been getting ready. This would still have been a big deal. It would have been a significant interruption to the plan going on in her life. And it was confusing. And it was disturbing. Not just that an angel's there, but what is this angel going to say? Because angels just don't show up to chat. Why would an angel show up and get ready? Gabriel is about to change Mary's life forever. So here's the key principle. Here's I want to make sure we don't miss it. When it comes to our lives, we have plans, and we're living out those plans, and maybe we're just like Mary. Greetings, favored person. We're even favored by God, and the Lord is with us, and everything is about to change. So there's something we need to point out here. When it comes to plans, God's plans are often interruptions. Almost said always. And then I was like, well, okay, probably there's one time. But God's plans are often interruptions. Have you ever experienced a God-interruption in your life? I had an example of it come up here recently. Somebody was telling me a story about somebody invited them to church. And they're like, you know what? I'm going to go to shut you up. Like, I don't want to go. I think it's dumb. And then they started to go to church. And then the Holy Spirit, it has nothing to do with anybody else. The Holy Spirit started to work on them, and they started to listen, and they started to sing, and they started to engage with God. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, God interruption. It's not anybody else. That wasn't their plan. Their plan was to get them off their back. See, God's plans are often interruptions. And this angel appears to Mary, who has this plan of her life before her. And this angel says, no, we're going to interrupt the regularly scheduled programming today. And we're going to talk about something way different that you are not expecting. And that is terrifying. And it's can." confusing and disturbing and then Gabriel starts with the phrase because it's so scary he says don't be afraid it's okay it's okay don't be afraid Mary the angel told her for you have found favor with God and I don't know if you believe in God or not but I think that if you believe in God you want to have favor with God and if you're like if there's any chance at all that God exists you want to have favor with God like that seems great right We all want to have favor with God, but God's plans are often interruptions, and things are about to get really intense for this favored woman, Mary. Her plans are about to change forever, but God's plans are better. Recently, I had a a day of kind of hustle-bustle, you know, just a normal day. And somebody asked if they could talk to a pastor here at the Ridge. And all of our other pastors were doing great things, the things that they needed to be doing. And I have to admit to you, there was this moment that I was like, like, I will, of course I will, but I don't want to. Right? Have you ever been like that? Just me? Cool. So I'm like, okay, I'll do it. Of course. Yes, I'll do it. And then I'm in this conversation, and this person starts to mention these things. Started to mention anxiety, started to mention perfectionism, started to mention insecurities, started to mentioning worst-case scenarios. These are all things that are near and dear to me. They're a big deal. They're a part of my journey. They're a part of my past, present, and future. God has been working in that in my life for a long time. God interrupted my day. I am convinced that God interrupted my day, not the other way around. She did more for me than I did for her. And I have this, I am pretty sure that I'm walking out to my car, and I, like, God chuckled. And it wasn't like thunder or anything like that. I just had it in my heart, you know, like, like, God's going like, you idiot. My plans are better than yours. You're writing a message about my plans being better than yours. So remember the question, what if I give it all to God? Everything I have, everything I hope for, everything I dream about, and things don't go the way that I want. But God's plans are better than our plans. His purposes are better than our purposes. Why are we afraid of God's plans? Because his plans interrupt us. They're inconvenient, and they're vastly different. But his plans are better than ours. Here's another way to say it. His purpose is often different than your plans. And we see this in Mary's life, right? Right up front, it's so clear. Mary's the bride-to-be, ready to start her life with her fiancé, Joseph. She's planning all these things. And then this happens. Don't be afraid, Mary, because, verse 31, this is what's going to happen. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. What? That's, that's ridiculous. What else? What else? This, this is the rest of that. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. This is all stuff that Mary would be like, oh, this is faith stuff. Like, I've heard them talk about this and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary, God has a purpose for you. That's what the angel is saying. Mary, it's different than your plans. Mary, you're going to give birth to the Son of God, Jesus, the Savior of the world. How would you respond to that? Like, you'd be like, who, me? Me? Like, did you, like Mary next door, or like, Mary here? You've chosen me, or maybe you'd be like, okay, okay, but like, but what are people going to say? What if Joseph leaves me, which is a real thing? What if people say nasty things? I'm scared. What if I'm an outcast? See, the situation that this would put Marian, a baby out of wedlock, would be punishable by death in her culture. How crazy is that? She didn't do anything wrong. She's actually favored by God. But this would have changed how everybody looked at her. Everybody treated her. Everybody talked to her and probably behind her back. Mary's plans just completely changed. And she didn't choose it for herself because God's purpose is often different than your plans. So what are your plans? You know, the plans that you have. Are they being interrupted? Maybe you, your plans are interrupted. You were going like we have this family plan, then we decided to be foster parents, and it just turned it all on its ear. Or maybe your plans are interrupted when you lost your job. Or maybe your plans are interrupted when an angel comes and talks to you. Or when a relationship falls apart. Or your plans are interrupted when an illness rocks your world. See, God's purpose is often different than our plans. And sometimes we have to trust that God's purpose is better than our plans. And the beauty of loving a child in difficult circumstances that we would have never chosen or the provision of losing a job that prompts you to something different or the amazing person that God has in store after a broken relationship or the faith that is illustrated and would only happen in the illness. See, God's purpose is greater, it's better, and it's bigger. But Mary's plans are interrupted, and Mary responds exactly like how a lot of us would respond. She asks, Huh? See, Mary asked the angel, but how? Like, how is this going to work? Because mom and dad has explained how this works to me. You know, like, the, the, how it happens? I'm a virgin. Angel, explain yourself. See, how in the world could God's purpose work out? This doesn't seem rational. This seems impossible. God, how can you reconcile the relationship? God, how can you provide the finances? How can you heal? How can you guide? How can you lead? How can you impregnate me if, you know, how can you have purpose in this? I'm right there with you, Mary. I get it. And the angel replied, he replied, this is so awesome. The angel replied, well, you want to know? Here's how it's going to work. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the baby who will be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Okay? I don't... I don't understand any of that. Oh, but he's not done. This, this is what he said. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. That's a reminder that, hey, I've already done this. I'm pretty powerful, you know. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her six months. So he explained it. This is how it's going to work. Did that help Mary? And she's like, not at all. Like the angel's laying it all out. Here's my plan. Here's my purpose. He has a plan in his purpose. Jesus will be born. And you already know that God can do it. And he provided a baby for Elizabeth when she couldn't have a child. And Mary knows that that's true. And the angel spits this knowledge and drops the mic. The angel didn't have a mic, but I kinda, that's in my mind's eye. And gives this hope freely. This is, oh, this is so good. This is what he says. For the word of God will never fail. God will never fail. Ever has never failed, will never fail. So you you say, I can't do this, Mary? See, nothing is impossible with God. And I think somebody here needs to hear that today. I need reminded of that today because something that is impossible for me to do or for you to do is not impossible for God to do. That doesn't mean always does it the way we want see it's his plan his purpose not ours but it's not because it's impossible See, we we kind of think that right mary thought that this seems improbable or impossible that's not how it works that's not birds bees like that's not how this works and we go this seems impossible how are you going to work in this how are you going to save me from this why do you treat me like this do you even love me do you even care about me And we have a time, we have something that interrupts us, and we think, I can't do it. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. Why would God allow this to happen? Does he even love me? Like, this doesn't make any sense. This is so hard. This hurts so much. And it very well may be God asking you to believe the unbelievable. It may be very well God asking you to accomplish the unaccomplishable. Faith in the unfathomable. Because nothing is impossible with God. Whatever your plan is and whatever the interruption is, nothing is impossible with God. So this Christmas season, if that's true, if we're given a spirit of power and love and self-discipline, if we're not caught in the what if, but we're caught in the with God, anything is possible. So what is God asking you to do? Like in the middle of your Christmas season, like what is God asking you to do? Is he asking you to do something, to stop something, to say something, to go somewhere, to call out for help, to take a step? See, what is God asking you to do? And maybe you know exactly what I'm talking about, and you're like, I want to do it. Or maybe you have no idea what he's asking you to do. Ask Him right now. Simple prayer. God, tell me what you want me to do. But that's a scary prayer because He will show up. And maybe you get to have the same type of front row seat that Mary got to have. Think about all the things that Mary got to be a part of. Mary got to see that things were not impossible for God. His word never fails. So what is God asking you to do? And It's not when you're ready, you do it. That's not how it worked in Mary's story. See, there are interruptions to our plans. But when that interruption happens, I think we have these two things that we can remember. They're important things. I would write them down. I'd take a picture. This is such a big deal. See, God is responsible for the outcome, and we are responsible for obedience. We can't predict the outcome. We try. We act like we can. But we can't predict the outcome. How in the world would Mary know the entire plan? The angel even tried to kind of explain some of it, and she's like, okay. God's responsible for the outcome. Do you know the story that is being told? Like the Christmas story is pretty amazing, right? The angel comes and tells Mary, you're going to give birth to the Son of God who will save the world save the world through living a perfect life and dying on the cross for where we fall short, our sin and conquering death three days later. That is who you are giving birth to. And you aren't responsible for any of it other than your obedience. That's it. And I don't know how that plays out for you in your life. I don't know what God is asking you to do. But if you follow Jesus, I believe that there will be a time that you are asked to trust him. To stop going, okay, what do I do? How do I do it? And to go, nope, the outcome is up to God. Obedience is up to me. And that's it. And, and you might have the same phrases that come to a worst-case scenario person like me. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I can't do that. Do you know how it feels? Do you know what you're asking me to do? Do you know how you're changing things? Do you know I can't give like that. I can't serve like that. I can't talk to them. I can't do this. I can't surrender it. I can't start over. I can't do any of those things. You're right. You can't. But nothing is impossible with God. So how does Mary respond? The angel says all of these things. Her plan is being interrupted. God's purpose is not really making sense to her. And she has this reminder that nothing is impossible with God. And this is powerful. Are you ready? Here's how she responds. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. I think in current vernacular, the way we would say it now is Mary responded, okay. And that's it. I'm the Lord's servant. I understand who you are. I understand who I am. You're God. I'm not. I don't understand all of it. It's scary, but I don't have the spirit of fear. I have God's power in me. Nothing is impossible with you. And may everything you have said about me come true. I'm not saying about myself right now. I don't get it. I don't feel it. May everything you say come true because the outcomes is yours, God. Obedience is mine. The outcome is yours. And so this whole thing happens and interrupted plans happen and the scary, huge thing happens to Mary and she's confused and she's disturbed and she responds. Okay. Okay. So what's God asking you to do? Because... He's responsible for the outcome. You're responsible for the... Okay. I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, I'm reminded right now that those two letters, okay, are terrifying responses sometimes. That it is easy... For me, it's easy for us to be focused on that what if, on that fear. And I'm so thankful that you give us this opportunity to be a part of this miraculous story where we don't have to conquer any of that on our own. That all you ask us to do is say, okay, and then you take care of all of the rest of it. So I don't know, I don't know what's going on in the heads and hearts of the people who are hearing these words. I don't know. I'm so thankful that you know. And my prayer right now is that you help us, you fill us, you surround us, you remind us to say okay. Even over the next week as we lead up to Christmas Eve and Christmas and these things that we think about and celebrate, that they wouldn't just be things we do once a year, a season that we celebrate, that we are reminded of those words, do not be afraid because we are favored by you. We're loved by you. You sent Jesus and the manger leads to the cross and it changes everything for us. And we have this hope and this peace, not because of what you're asking us to do, but because you're in charge of the outcome anyway. So help us live that out. Thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.